The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming. It's nice that we have a time once a month to gather like this, whether you're here in the room or on Zoom. We have this time to do the loving-kindness practice. And it really um, it revolves around this understanding that hopefully we're all getting wiser, clearer about, which is our mood, our attitude, it's always in play. And one of the things about like being in a funk or having some uh, negative attitude or mood is it's our deep habit to think that, well, that's just who I am in a kind of definitive way. I'm just sad today, or I'm just upset today, or I'm blue today, or I'm happy today, or whatever it might be. And one of the things we want to open our mind to is that the mood, the attitude of our mind, it's always in play. It's never a fixed thing. And how we, like what we do with our mind, like how we relate, really shifts things. Now another angle on this is to just reflect. It's like a thought experiment. You could just use today. At what time today, or what moment today, would relating with kindness have been inappropriate? or dysfunctional. Like, is there any moment you had today where having a friendly attitude, a basic, excuse me, goodwill in your heart would just not have been appropriate? Because if your answer is yes, there were this moment and that moment and, you know, definitely would not been, then it may be that one you misunderstand what goodwill or kindness or friendliness is, or two, you you haven't really checked it out. Because <laughs> sometimes we have a sentimental view, a very limited view of what kindness or friendliness or goodwill is, or it only looks this way, you know, rosy and cheerful or something like that. But being kind to ourselves, to the moment, to whatever is presenting itself in any moment, that kindness doesn't dictate what we say or what we don't say. What it dictates is how we're relating. We're relating with kindness, with that understanding, you know, just to be a little provocative, with that understanding that it really... never makes sense. When we're conscious, when the mind is wisely discerning, it actually doesn't make sense to throw anybody, including ourselves, out of our heart. And that doesn't mean we're going to be friends with everybody or even want to be close to everybody. Clearly, there are people we shouldn't be close to. You know, people who mean to do us harm, for example. But we don't have to throw them out of our hearts. I mean, anybody who really means to do us harm is probably worthy of some compassion. Like, oh, 
That, that can't be a pleasant mind state to hate me, right? I'm going to stay away from you. I can't really trust being around you. But it doesn't really make sense to hate you. I may, that may be my habit because I'm afraid of you to hate you. But when my mind is more balanced and sensitive, I realize I can take care of myself as much as I can without needing to hate you. And that's a real game changer in life. Someone cuts you off on the freeway. You know, it's just so easy to generate thoughts like why this person is worthy of like raging hatred. But are they? <laughs> I mean, we might, <laughs> someone did something like that recently. And uh, it, was just, it was just so nice to be able to watch my mind like the impulse to want to have a story about that person who cut me off. It's just kind of an aggressive person in a pickup truck. You know, we were taking turns, merging two lanes into one because of some uh, construction. And he just like pulls in really close, you know, where I could have, you know, it was my turn to go, according to my logic. Um, but just to realize like, yeah, I could, I could be in this conflictual relationship but probably somebody who does that, you know, that kind of bullying behavior, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that can't be a comfortable frame to live inside of all day long, to be a bully. And, uh, and just to yield, like to, to realize how much freedom there is, not because I'm afraid so much, although there probably was some fear, you know, of, yeah, just being in the heat of anger or <clears throat> in a conflict. But it was mostly that sense of freedom, like, I could, but I don't have to. And not even that I would, you know, I'm not, it's not really my personality to kind of um, push it, you know, in that way. But I could yield and fume. Or I could yield realizing I don't need to fume. And that's a kind of kindness. Kindness is really the absence of ill will. It's really the mistrust of ill will. So I say this as a, a bit of an introduction to the practice we're going to do tonight. And for about 30 minutes or so, through all kinds of creative means, right? It's each of our responsibility to figure out how to keep the actual attitude of loving-kindness, friendliness, goodwill, how to keep it in mind, how to keep it in mind, how to keep it in mind. Because even though that seems, it will seem, for some of you at least, contrived, like that doesn't seem like sincere, spontaneous loving-kindness when I'm bringing my pet to mind or, you know, saying a phrase to myself, may you be happy. <clears throat> but the point of whatever memories you use or mental images, whatever words you repeat for yourself, it's really an act arising out of the confidence that I know that this heart is capable of a very real, ordinary but real friendliness, 
kindness. And so the memory, the mental image, the words, the phrases you might repeat, they're just an act of that confidence. And in our business, you know, Buddhist practice business, there's something very fundamental that we learn, which is intention, motivation, is what changes things. So if we want to change our mind, it's all a matter of what intentions we chronically pay attention to because it's of our, our habit to pay attention to them, like being defensive, being irritable. I might have a lot of those intentions, and if I pay attention, if I pay attention and get identified with those intentions, those motivations, then that's going to be more the habit of the personality. But if instead, like when I am triggered to be defensive or irritable or aggressive or closed down, but I notice that those intentions are heavy, they hurt, and I care about it. See, then I'm acting on the intention of kindness and compassion. And that sets something different in motion. And we're going to listen to um, Crystal read from the uh, book. You know, we keep it over there by the Kuan Yin statue. If ever you want to record, or those of you online, you can just send an email to Robin in the office and we'll write it in for you. But this is a tradition we've been doing for probably 20 years where we just take a few minutes and hear what people have written in the book. So go ahead, Crystal. And Crystal, it would be nice to come up here so people online can hear you. September 2023, uh, an school moved from Arizona to Minneapolis for my older sister, age 82. For Dinah, dealing with cancer, and her brother Chuck, doing his best to help her. Uh, light and healing to the both. For Tressa and the onset of dementia, and for Mike caring for her, healing in metta and strength and wisdom. For my dad, Joe, who suffered two strokes last year and is on a path of recovery with uncertainty. Metta, peace, acceptance for him, and his family and my stepmom. For all that suffer from ailments. For the family and friends of Tim Oreger, who died September 23rd, 2023, and after a long battle with cancer. He was a Vietnam vet who worked towards peace and loving communication for many years, an enduring student and curious person. Um, October 2023, for the brokenhearted, I wish you peace, acceptance, and letting go. 
Thanks for reading those, Crystal. Yeah, so just again, an invitation to use that community well-wishing book, if ever it makes sense to you. And we have some time now, a little bit more than 30 minutes. I'll offer some wishes, or some reflections, rather. But it would be nice to hear from each other. I often say, when we have these groups, you know, that... uh, it's probably true that one thing we've learned about generally in our lives is what emotions or attitudes are useful and functional and what emotions and attitudes don't seem very helpful. And then the question is, well, what do we do about that learning? Because like I mentioned at the beginning, we tend to feel a victim to the particular emotions or attitudes that are showing up for me right now like I'm a helpless victim, I have this mood or this attitude, and I'm just a helpless victim. And what we want to learn, as I mentioned, is just how easy it is just to turn that negative emotion around by caring about it. Because often negative emotions are heavy, (laughs) you know, they hurt. So we can care about that they hurt. Oh yeah, the heart, the body's tight, and I care about it. I'm bored, and I care about that, about being bored. See, it's not that far away. We actually use the afflictive state of mind, whether it's a mild affliction or really intense, heavy, afflicted state. We actually use it as the, can be used as the means to rediscover, oh yeah, this heart can be good, because I can care about how hard it is to be a human being right now. Same thing if there's a lot of goodness or beauty around us. We can use the goodness and beauty around us to really appreciate it. And it makes us happy. Oh, you seem happy. I'm happy that you seem happy. You know, I can be kind about your happiness. I can care about it. May your happiness continue, may it increase, may it never end. This is the real trick. It's it's almost like we could have a contest for us Buddhist practitioners. We'd have somebody in the front of the room and we'd throw different experiences at them to see if like whatever came their way, they could relate in a wise and friendly way. Now this is happening to them. Now this is happening. Oh, honey. Now it's like this, and I care about it. May I be at ease. Oh, it's beautiful now. And I care about how much beauty, how much goodness I'm aware of right now. May that goodness continue. May it increase, may it never end. It's really confusing right now. I care about that too. May this heart be balanced, even when I don't know what's up and down. Whether I should go right or left. I can still be close. I can still have that goodness of a heart that isn't wrongly thinking I have to throw something out of my heart. It's like an example of that when we, uh, it's so easy to be envious, you know, when we see somebody who seems to have their act together and especially like in spiritual communities, somebody just seems to be naturally calm and Radiant, radiantly kind and really clear, deeply balanced. 
and it can push our buttons like, what about me? <laughs> I want to be cool. I want to be a cool Buddhist who's got their act together, who's unflappable no matter what happens. Uh, some of you might remember Ram Das. He's a really important figure in the 60s and 70s and even much later for many decades. Um, kind of a spiritual figure and who practiced a lot in the Sinsat meditation tradition, although his main teacher was an Indian saint named, uh, named Karoli Baba, very interesting, beautiful teacher from what I can sense. And, uh, but he was sort of part of this insight meditation scene and good friends with people like Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Goldstein and, and many others. And uh, one teacher in our tradition, James Perez, some of you know him, he wrote a wonderful book about joy, Awakening Joy. It's a really great book. He's a longtime teacher at Spirit Rock in Northern California. And, uh, you know, James was uh, one of the early teachers and he just sort of got thrown in as Joseph Goldstein and Sharon Salzberg and Jack Hornfield and some of their early teachers got so busy and then they would just say, James, you're giving the talk tonight. <laughs> and eventually, you know, he became a very well-known, respected teacher. Um, but in those early years, you know, like a lot of us, you know, we lament the fact that we're not as skilled as our teachers are at teaching, you know. And we've all had that that tendency to jealousy or envy or just, oh, poor me, I'm not good enough, I'm not like them. And, uh, James, and uh, Ram Dass said to James Perez once, this is in, a, in that book, Awakening Joy by James Perez, um, you know, there's already one Joseph Goldstein, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't, does it make sense for you to try to be another Joseph Goldstein? But there's only one, James Perez, and you're in, you know. And it does make sense for you to fully inhabit, fully embody, fully be at ease being yourself, the one person you get to be. And to me, that's a really earthy way to talk about self-love. And the Buddha was very clear, you know, in one passage in the texts, it said, the Buddha said that you could search the world over and you would never find anyone more deserving of love than yourself. Doesn't mean that we're more deserving than others, but we're equally deserving of love than others. And it's really the relationship we have with this embodied life, this conditioned personality, you know, with all its quirks, all the things we don't want to admit to other people or don't want other people to see. Um, it can be really challenging for us to own that I am in fact, this life is in fact, deserving of love. Just in the same way, you know, rattlesnakes are deserving of love. Politicians are deserving of love, all of them. <laughs> I mean, that's shocking to say that, right? Our exes, assuming you have an ex, you know, they're deserving of love. I was walking here the other day, just a week or two ago, beautiful day, passing young person with the dog, walking the dog, 
And as I got close to the dog, the dog just had a fit and tried to bite me, grab my pants, rip my pants, or my sweater actually was, I think, ripped. Um, you know, but it was just such a shock, you know, and I, I just noticed it's like, I really wanted to be angry. Like, that's not okay, and that person needs to learn how to train their dog, which is, all of which is true. We should be able to walk on the sidewalk without getting attacked by a dog, and, uh, you know, presumably most dogs, not all, are trainable, and not that I'd want that dog to be killed, but, uh, but it's really, I'm so happy that every attempt the habit energy made to get angry, it never made sense. It's like, I wanted to throw him out of my heart, but it didn't really make sense. And of course, within a few seconds, I was safe. You know, I was far enough away, the dog was on a leash. Um, she immediately apologized, I could tell. The person could have been even a teenager, a very young adult for sure. Um, and it just seemed they, they felt really bad about what happened, right? And, uh, and it's just like really nice to see that, oh yeah, I, I could make a drama, I could make a, all kinds of reasons to throw them, one of, one or both of them out of my heart. Or I could realize I was frightened, you know, and that feels like this. And my nice fleece has gotten ripped a little, not terribly. It's probably something I can still wear. And it's okay. I could even buy another one. It would make no difference. You know, it's not going to change my life spending whatever if I ever needed to buy another fleece or whatever, you know. It's like, not a big deal. And besides, the most obvious thing is, I don't want to have to be the person who has to hold hate or resentment or some drama about how dog owners have to get their act together or whatever. You know, all of those fixed views are such an unnecessary burden. And to realize that everybody is deserving of love, even dogs that get spooked when somebody walks close to them. You know, just need to keep my distance, but they're deserving of love, right? Why wouldn't I wish that dog safety and ease? Definitely wish that love and wisdom guide it and protects it, right? Why would we not want to wish that? And same thing for ourselves, because, you know, we have the inside picture of ourselves. We see all the stuff we think, and we see all the stuff we do, and all the stuff we don't do that we should do. So we can, you know, just as well, more than even other people, we can draft really convincing lawsuits against ourselves why we're not deserving of love. It's really good to, to check and see honestly if you are capable of having a friendly attitude towards yourself, as you actually are. Not some projection of who you want to be, but who you are. You know, an ordinary, imperfect human being. How could we be perfect? 
our heart, mind, body, it's been conditioned to evolution for this survival instinct, which doesn't really, it isn't about kindness, you know, it's about survival. And, you know, fortunately as mammals, we get a little bit of altruistic behavior conditioned in, you know, because we're somewhat communal beasts. And then we're also conditioned by culture. And as imperfect as that is with all the biases and prejudice, fear, domination. So why would we expect it to be a pretty scene? You know, it is what it is. So some beauty, some goodness, some not beauty, some not goodness. But we can, you know, isn't it obvious that it is an easy being human? And when we're really grounded in that, and in, despite that it is an easy being human, we see these good qualities, at least in moments, pure love, like when we see some friendly beast, <laughs> you know, our heart just opens, or a good friend who's being generous toward us, or something like that. And we see that, that love, that just inclusive, well-wishing. I mean, that's the thing about when we really feel feel safe and held, really feel like we belong. We'll notice that generosity of the heart. It's like an upwelling in a lake. You know, the water just keeps flowing. It just love. That's its very nature. That's how we know we're tapping into what we could call spiritual love. Because even though a particular person or situation might have evoked it, it just wants to keep including more and more. Right? When we feel really good, we just want to love everything and everyone. And not it doesn't even have to be in a way that they know it. Like we don't mind it being secret. We're sitting in the bus and we just care about everybody. Or wherever it might be including ourselves. And then the more we have moments like that where we really are tapping in or recognizing that metta, that spiritual love, basic goodness of the heart, then it provides the context to notice the more subtle habits of fear, aversion, closing down, negativity, resentment, I tell you, this is what really helps us in life. The reason we want to be calm is we notice agitation. The reason we want to be loving is we'll notice the ill will. And we can't let go of something we don't see clearly. Right? If we really want to let go of all the ways we find ourselves in negative states, we have to notice those negative states. We have to be willing to feel them. And it's the, the goodness, you know, because it, it feels so good to be loving when it's real, not contrived. Then love, that basic goodness, it's not afraid of seeing something in us and another that is not good because it can relate to it from that place of goodness. Just like a grandmother, you know, a kind of stereotypically wise, good grandmother, if their grandchild were acting out, 
hitting their sibling or something like that. You know, a wise, good grandparent, they're going to handle it well. They're going to not throw the child out of their heart. They may grab the child and say, you can't hit your sibling. You know, that's not okay. I love you to death, but you know, I'm not going to let you hit your little brother. But I, I'm not going to throw you out of my heart. I mean, they may not say those words, but that would be the energy. You must be upset. What's going on? What's going on? Talk to me. Oh, you're hurt. Maybe you can use your words, right? I mean, we have ways to kind of take care that the whole thing is held in kindness. Imagine if every morning we got up and we made that resolve. Not that we'd succeed, but we build the confidence in that resolve. I'm not going to consciously, intentionally throw anybody out of my heart. And so we establish ourselves in kindness precisely to notice all the times during the day. And sometimes it's really silly. Like we see somebody dressing in a way that kind of pushes our buttons, like, oh, they're ostentatious or something like that. And we just catch ourselves, oh, I just saw that person out of my heart. Like I just created a story that that person isn't deserving of my love. They're just a jerk because look at how they're dressed or look, in, look how they're behaving over there. So I have rights to hate them, throw them out of my heart. And then, but now we'll see it. Like, oh. It's like, that's a, forget about what that does to the other person. It's a violation in our own heart. Like, oh, that is not who I want to be. That's not how I want to feel. Why would I do that? And the first thing we do to reestablish love is we forgive ourselves. Oh, honey, I forgive you. That's just a conditioned habit to judge that person in the way that I judge that person. And I forgive you. So for before we even deal with, you know, whatever silently we did, or maybe we even acted it out to that person with some body language, forget that. Just immediately have kindness for being that judging, that ordinary judging person caught up in some ill will for a moment or two, or longer. Oh yeah, that's not who I want to be. That's the thing with forgiveness. We forgive other people, not so much to do them a favor, we're doing ourselves a favor. I don't want to be that person who hates that other person or holds this dead weight of resentment about that other person and what they did to me. I don't want to hold that anymore. So as best I can, I'm going to forgive them. I may not hang out with them, I may keep my distance from them, but I'm not going to hate them anymore. I'm not going to keep revisiting that drama of, I hate you, I wish you ill. You know, may something bad befall you. We don't say that out loud, because if we did, we, we would more quickly forgive. But that's really unconsciously there. Right? I mean, going back to whoever, in terms of political or celebrity status, bothers you, we kind of wish them ill. We want something bad. We're gleeful, you know, when things, bad things happen to people that we dislike. 
And it's really good to unpack that. Oh, who is that helping? Is that in the direction of healing and release? Or is that attitude, that sort of glee for someone's misfortune? Is that just tying my heart into knots? So that's probably enough. It'd be nice now to hear from some of you online and some of you in the room. And we have ways so that we can hear those of you online here in the room. I know one of the things about the Zoom community is easy to feel anonymous. So I'm telling you, you're not anonymous. We know you're there, right? Just like the people in the room know you're there. And you know we're here, right? About 10 people in the room. You know we're here. We know you're there. Let's have a conversation together. What have we learned about keeping the heart open, keeping in mind this goodness, how we've learned to sense that goodness of the heart, whatever you want to call it, metta, loving-kindness, benevolence, goodness. How do you keep in mind? How has it helped you to see ill will in places you probably wouldn't have seen? How do you relate to those places of ill will in your life? How do you relate to the ill will, the meanness you see around you and other people? Yeah, and any questions about the practice that comes to mind that you'd like to bring up? Anybody feel like beginning? Those of you online, you can just raise your digital hand or if you don't know how to do that, just go ahead and unmute yourself. And anybody in the room here, you can just uh, let me know. And if you're okay, you can sit up here and that way they can hear you directly, but otherwise I can do my best to repeat your comment or question. Anybody feel like getting us started? What have you learned in your own life around loving kindness, how to relate to the meanness in our own hearts and in the world so we're not feeding it? Yeah, Jenny, please. Um, is this a good spot? Can people hear me all right? Okay. Um, I'm just so grateful for tonight, being here tonight. Um, I have so much care for the people that I engage in meditation with. I participate in the 7.30 meeting, AM meeting. Uh, sorry, the meditation at 7.30. And um, the thing that became very evident to me because of causes and conditions, when we started talking about loving ourselves, um, I was sort of confused because a lot of grief came up, but it wasn't. I wasn't confused very long. <laughs> I'm so grateful for this practice because I am learning how I am loved and love, and I didn't always. And um, so it's just a very, very powerful uh, practice. I have had experiences when I go and work with children where I have been able to come back the next day and apologize to one of them. And it just is so, such a good feeling. Um, often the kids that I work with have very serious challenges 
and um, so it's not a surprise that they might behave in a way that would make me upset. <laughs> and so for me to respond back in a way that isn't loving and kind, uh, I have developed that ability to come back and say, I'm sorry. And uh, so I just wanted to share that. Just, it's been very powerful for me. Thank you. Yeah, that's beautiful, Jenny. I really appreciate your willingness to share that. And uh, that would be powerful homework, you know, that especially what Jenny was saying about being loved. Like that itself would be, it, it, we all should, if we haven't already, just make it a deep study for at least a month. And you might have to write it down, you know, on your nightstand and put it on your fridge and put it on your workstation at work. And that to keep in mind, to be curious about the experience of being loved. Like, can you, can we all right now sense that experience of being loved? Whether it's ourselves that are loving us, caring, seeing our goodness, or there are people, maybe it's your cat or dog that's good at loving you up, I was sharing this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I forget where, maybe at a retreat, but uh, there's a book that I read a long time ago, I think it might have been written in the 80s or even 70s, maybe the guy's name is Bruce Chatwin, he was like a journalist, a travel journalist person, and he wrote a book, I think it was called Songlines, about, uh, he spent some time in Australia with the indigenous people there. And they have this idea of song lines, which I won't go into, it's beautiful. And so that's why the title. But there was just some small part of that book where he talked about the uh, cultural understanding uh, in, with the indigenous people in Australia, where they have this idea that the earth, Mother Earth, is just naturally loving us. And the, the real purpose of existence, human existence, is to figure out how to let ourselves be loved. <laughs> That's the real challenge, you know, to allow ourselves to be loved. And, and then we get to that place that Jenny described, like when we really feel that we're being loved, it's just so easy to be loving others, you know, and to be willing to kind of ask for forgiveness the next day because we're just so sensitive to ill will when we feel love, when we feel loved. So more and more, you know, I'll talk about loving and being loved and not separating the two. Like, can we really love if we're not feeling loved? I'm not sure. And I think it strengthens, like if we're really interested in being a more loving person, it's probably going to be really helpful, really wise to put as much emphasis on feeling loved than trying to love more. Just really, like, not conceptually, but actually feeling 
love, like we're being held. Like there's a conspiracy of goodness. There's an article, maybe it was in the Sun magazine a long time ago, and it was somebody just wrote this fun article, and it was sort of like about the opposite of paranoia, where you imagine that everything, everyone's out to get you, but it's the opposite, you know, where you're imagining that everything, everyone, is out to love you and take care of you, right? And you know how we do, we have that sometimes, you know, when we're, we see a beautiful sunset or the weather's really pleasant, and it feels like personal, like, like a personal gift from the divine or something like that. But we can cultivate that attitude, like even us being here together in this strange way where some of us are online and some of us are here in person. But just to like, like feeling love being here together, feeling like we're deeply blessed without kind of getting too exuberant, but just that sense of there's something beautiful afoot. And I don't have to explain it. I don't have to know even what it is, but we can feel loved by it. And it doesn't take away that, you know, there's illness and aging and death and mistreatment and violence and yeah, this is the context of loving and being loved. In a way, the, the misfortune and the uncertainty and the vulnerability that comes with life is really the context for love. Yeah, other thoughts that come to mind? Looks like someone raised their hand here. Oh yeah, Pietro. Let me get the mic there first. Okay, Pietro, we can hear Great. you now. <clears throat> You guys hear me? Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I really love this, this topic. Thank you, Jen, for starting because I, um, that's what I was um, experiencing a lot during this meditation. And last week I was in a loving kindness retreat also, like how much I, I have been loved in my life, honestly, if I have to really be honest about it and uh, how little I recognized it until you really start to pay attention to it. And uh, it's just like, wow, this person really loved me. And then this other person really loved me. And especially when I was a kid, I was like, wow, there's so many people that really love me. Most of, I mean, no, some of them are even dead, but I could still bring them up in the loving kindness, even if they're not here anymore. It didn't really matter. Uh, I, because it was just... Um, I, I already dropped the phrase at the point, so it didn't matter that they weren't really receiving maybe the crazy anymore, but I could still feel the sense of being loved by these individuals, these people. And um, it really built on itself. Um, and as you said, Mark, it just made much so much easier to just... I think some people said it's like filling up a cup uh, and then keep filling it until it overflows. And that's like when you especially start loving is when it overflows, but because your cup is full, like you're being loved in this analogy. And I, it really resonates with me because that's how I experience it. I, when I really feel love, then just over, the love just overflows from there. Hmm. And this is a perfect example. Like, I don't know if you felt it as 
Pietro was talking, but it's contagious, isn't it? Like just hearing him talk, and then we, we start to feel that upwelling, just like Pietro was saying. And remember when it really is strong, like he was describing, then it's really important to experiment dropping the phrases and just using the images when needed. But when it's really strong and you really have that sense of something is overflowing, so you're really having a more direct sense of the expansive nature of metta, of loving kindness, then that can be your meditation object. You don't have to be trying to generate it because it's already generated. So what we're really doing is just letting metta do metta. So from doing metta to being the love or abiding or resting in that expansive, you know, like the upwelling of a cool spring in a lake, it eventually feel, fills the lake and then it spills over. It just keeps flowing, including more and more. And then other beings naturally might come to mind. You don't, you're not trying to stop your mind from not imagining people, but you're just not purposefully, energetically bringing people to mind. People may come to mind, and that's beautiful. And sometimes it's almost fun to see who comes to mind. Like uh, people you maybe haven't thought of for ages will just come to mind and then it would just like the heart body will be filled with this really beautiful, simple love for them. So uncontrived, nobody's doing it, right? And sometimes even somebody where there's been some difficulty and it, there'll be some real healing whether you ever talk to that other person, see them an another time or not, there can be some real resolution to some old conflict where there was some broken relationship. All of that can happen, will naturally happen, by putting more of the emphasis on that upwelling and the trust in that goodness, and then just strategically bringing to people to mind when you need some more energy, you need some more confidence that the heart has that goodness. Yeah, appreciate the comments, Pietro. Time for, yeah, at least one more. Yeah, please, Rob. Yeah, so my name is Rob. And Mark, you started off tonight with a phrase, what, you know, interaction or uh, relationship that we would have had today wouldn't have been better without like having kindness involved. And I immediately thought, well, zero. There isn't a <laughs> single thing that happened today that wouldn't have been better without having kindness. And that's from cleaning up the cat puke this morning <laughs> to interacting with the rain on my way to work to the people I dealt with at my employment to the jaywalker who I uh, gotta now adjust to go around you one way or another, to even the guys who were more difficult, like the junkies in downtown, it's challenging. Uh, but not one of those relationships that I had today with all of those multitude of people wouldn't have been better without having kindness or at least neutrality. Um, 
Yeah, so thank you. Oh, and there's a second thing I'd like to say real quick. Um, this has to do with self-love. And it's, uh, I don't know if you're aware of the phrase, everything I've learned, I learned from Star Trek. And so it's <laughs> Dr. McCoy is talking, talking to Captain Kirk. And he says, in all of this great universe, all the millions and billions of stars and galaxies, there's only one James Kirk. You take care of him. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Always good to get a Star Trek quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the neat thing, because, you know, if you're like me, there will be, and I think it's a sign of actually good practice when we're noticing more ill will, because it's probably there in subtle ways. We only see the ill will we see, and we don't see the ill will we don't see, because it's so normalized, like whatever that pattern was, part of the delusion is, whatever you're thinking, Mark, however you're perceiving, Mark, you're accurate, <laughs> you know? So we, it doesn't stand out as ill will, it stands out as, well, this is just the truth. So part of it is like having some humility, like, okay, what ill will am I not seeing? Like, how do we keep that in mind? And it's not even so much like I want to catch ill will. It's like doing the groundwork. Well, what helps to see ill will is recognizing the kindness. Because then when the kindness breaks, there's ill will. And the way it's talked about in the tradition is, Ill will and kindness can't exist in the mind at the same time. And you can check that out for yourself. Now, the mind is quick. You can have ill will, and then in the next moment, you can have kindness. And it can go the other way, too. But not at the same time. Because it's like a different... The mind is actually different. A mind that has goodness in it, it has that generous, expansive quality. A mind that has ill will has a contracting quality to it. You know, because it's like, I'm mad. I'm upset. It's pulling in around that sense of self who's being bothered by... So it's dualistic in that way. Where real spiritual love is moving toward this inclusive, generous inclusivity where things belong. Don't need things to be different. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a nice place to end. And let's just do the four quarters chant that we normally do um, here at the center. Some of you know it's on page 30, and I'll put it in the chat for those of you online. Okay, here it comes for those of you online. And it's just bringing to mind these four beautiful qualities. We call them the divine abodes, all based on metta, loving kindness. So we'll chant this to end our evening together. Now let us make the four boundless qualities shine forth. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. 
so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide, pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with passion, likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with compassion, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide, pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with gladness, likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with gladness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide, pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with equanimity, Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with equanimity, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. Thanks for singing. Nice to end that way. Thanks for coming, everyone. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.